Amen. Thank you. Good morning. How was Christmas? Did you get everything you hoped for? How many of you guys are wearing or using something that you opened four days ago on Christmas morning? Wearing or using? Awesome. Awesome. Some of you are like, I don't... I don't know. And some of you are hoping that I don't ask you any more details about what you might be wearing that you got in your stocking on Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy post-Christmas. Uh, uh, we had a, a wonderful Christmas. We, uh, we had just an awesome Christmas as a family. Brand new home that we are blessed with to have Christmas in our home. I, I don't know what was wrong uh, except that Benadryl works wonders. We actually, the kids slept in on Christmas morning. Uh, I'm just kidding about the Benadryl part, okay? Don't call CYS. Uh, but uh, our kids slept. We were actually up and, and ready before the kids even got up, which was very exciting for our, our family this year. And uh, we celebrated a wonderful time. How many of you guys, uh, if, you, if you're not wearing or using something that you got for Christmas, you're looking forward to uh, these coming weeks and playing with the new toys you got? How many of you guys are looking forward to watching the Steelers on your new 75-inch TVs this afternoon? How many of you guys are going to sit in your car and listen to it on the radio? I'm okay. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. It was a great Christmas. It's interesting as we look around us. I, I yesterday, actually, the day after Christmas, Ella and I had to run to Lowe's uh, to get some stuff that we <laughs> ordered on uh, the day after Christmas morning. Uh, it is wonderful how Lowe's celebrates Christmas, right? And, and as soon as Christmas is over, they sell off everything that is Christmas related for a huge markdown. And so we went to pick up some stuff that we had ordered, and uh, it's amazing to me how bonkers our world is on the day after Christmas. It's like uh, when we should. Be be at home maybe celebrating and enjoying and relaxing. Uh, no, everybody's out looking for a deal. Uh, and if you live in Clearfield, if you go to Lowe's on Christmas or the day after Christmas or whenever it is, you also have to go to the neighboring store, right? Do you know what I'm talking about on the hill? And if you go there, you realize just how corrupt and broken our, our world is on the, the day after Christmas. The line uh, of people, we need to pray for people at the return counter. Uh, because the line of people returning things on the day after Christmas just blew our, our, our minds that morning. It's absolutely incredible. We, we are in a culture that experiences the blessing or the excitement, the, the bump in the schedule, the uh, uh, adjustment in our culture of Christmas Day. And then we kind of go back to business as usual. We kind of revert back to the, the, the normal pace and the, uh, the normal way of, and, and maybe your, your schedule's still interrupted for another couple of days as we experience New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I, I don't know, uh, but when school starts back, it's kind of like in our family, when things kind of uh, chill out a little bit and get back to the new, uh, the new normal. In the last several weeks, we've been talking specifically about preparing, being ready for Christmas, and specifically being ready for uh, some specifics in the spiritual understanding of Christmas and the blessings of Christmas to us, our lives as believers in Jesus Christ, surrendered to His will and His way. We, we've talked over the last several weeks about being ready for the miraculous as we looked at the story of Zechariah and Sarah. We uh, learned together to be ready to say yes as Mary was, as the mother of Jesus. We talked about being ready to meet Jesus as Joseph was and being ready on Christmas Eve for the good news as the shepherds experienced the good news. This morning, I I want to focus on being ready to change the world. I want to invite us to change the world together. 
not maybe necessarily all that exciting as I made it sound. But I want us to be reminded together that the, the love of Jesus is what changes the world. And the love of Jesus has been given to us in such a way that we are to return it to the world. The word love is one of those words that gets used in context uh, all around us. And every one of us, if the word love is used from the pulpit or from the platform together this morning, we all have a different interpretation of how that word is defined in our midst. We say the word love and we have instant thoughts and uh, we have uh, instant definitions in our different contexts of life in our very real lives. This morning, I want to remind us together that the love that we have been shown by God, our Creator, is a love that can't be gotten over. If Walmart, if Lowe's is over this gift, right? They're not responsible to remember Christmas like we are, as forgiven ones, as loved ones. It's not their responsibility to keep the message of Christmas in front of us all year long. It's our responsibility as the loved ones, as the ones who have been given the gift of Jesus Christ. The love of God through Jesus Christ is a gift we've been given. And we must receive it and we must reciprocate. We must continue to uh, pour it out, if you will, every day. We cannot, we should never, we should never get over the gift of Christmas. Amen? The fact that God sent His Son to the earth shows that His great love is never-ending. It is not simply a once-and-done. The fact that Jesus Christ came to earth, not to a a select group of people, not to a specific uh, group of people, just for them to be able to uh, hold hands together. Jesus Christ came for the world, came for all of us. Not just 2,000 years ago for a select group of people. Not just to a specific community to be a blessing to them, but for all of humanity. In, in my personal Bible reading right now, I'm in the book of Acts in the New Testament. And it, it, it's, it's just fun, again, to relive the account of the early church. And specifically, something that came to mind just this week is how shocked the early disciples were that the gospel message, the hope for humanity, forgiveness, salvation is available not simply to uh, the Jewish people, the Jewish lineage of humanity, but that God sent Jesus to sinners such as us. Gentiles, those far from God in the Jewish mindset, those far, far from hope and holiness. This morning I want to look at the world-changing love that was brought by Jesus Christ, and specifically how uh, Jesus interacted, or uh, maybe better understood, how the wise men interacted with this hope. Look with me at Matthew's Gospel this morning and the story of these wise men from eastern lands. Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1, God's Word says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. 
Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, stood over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And when they opened, then they opened their treasure chests and gave him, the child, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I just ask in this moment that you would use the words of your scripture and this time of discussion together to do a work inside of our lives to remind us of your deep love for us, your deep love for all humanity. May we experience fresh and again this day and every day the gift of your love. Help us not to leave this place unchanged today. Renew us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've always been fascinated or I've always enjoyed the story of the wise men. In some translations of scripture, we have uh, magi, these individuals who are from a eastern land and we uh, don't have a lot of their story. In fact, only Matthew gives us their account in the Gospels. So we have a lot more questions maybe than answers about these two. But there's something fascinating about their part of the story. Something fascinating about a, a star that they watched. Something fascinating about a journey that they went on. And as we do as human beings, we begin to uh, invent the rest of the story. We've given them names and tradition. We've asked some questions. We assume because there's three gifts that there's three wise men or magi. And so we imagine and we put them in our nativity scenes. And those of us who maybe study scripture get offended when we go visit some of your homes and you have the magi and their camels in the nativity because they weren't there on the night that Jesus was born, we don't actually get offended. We just take them and move them to the bathroom of your house. <laughs> if you've been looking for your wise men and I've been in your house, they're in the bathroom. Far away from your nativity. From this account in scripture, we find and learn that the Magi most likely traveled hundreds, maybe even a, a thousand miles, some would say to see this king of the Jews whose star they saw. So they are astrologers. They are searching the stars for meaning and signs, and they're following the signs as they're laid before them. And when they finally find Jesus, it wasn't in the stable that we often see portrayed again, but they respond to this child and his mother, as Matthew says it. They respond to this gift, this king that they saw the signs for with joy worship and gifts so as they sought after this unknown as they sought to find meaning in the stars and they, that meaning was revealed to them in the child king jesus they respond maybe in a much different manner than some of us maybe have even responded to the gift of Jesus in time. Uh, he, they responded maybe somewhat completely different than some of our world responds to the gift of Jesus that we know about and we have received. Many, maybe even some here today, have responded or expected God to come looking for them. 
I've heard the argument in my life in conversation with people of uh, people saying, I'll believe in God, I'll give my life to Him when He shows Himself to me. Some expect God to explain Himself. We ask questions like, how could a loving God that you talk about allow such destruction to take place in this world? Some in humanity want God to give them gifts different than the wise men here. Some of us expect that if I'm faithful, if I surrender, if I give back to the Lord, if I devote my life to Him, then shouldn't I have a life without trouble or difficulty or pain? This morning, I want us to realize the passage, the truth of the passage that we read together. The, 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 the truly wise still come together to seek and worship Jesus for who he is. Not what we get out of the equation, but because he is the gift of hope and love for the world. We are to love Christ and because he first loved us. We have been given so much in this gift. We are not owed it. We do not deserve it. Scripture is very clear. We're broken. We're sinful. Evil since birth. We are, are destined for eternity away from Him. It's this love. This gift of love that changes the equation. Let's look at what this world-changing love did and does since the birth of Christ. The first thing I want us to look at is how the love changes Herod. The love changes Herod's world. The context of the culture of Herod is pretty interesting. There's a number of Herods mentioned in Scripture, but this is Herod the Great. And here's what we know about Herod from commentators. Listen to this description of this ruthless man. The talented, unscrupulous tyrant who was appointed to rule Judea by the Romans. Following his father's assassination, Herod used craft and brutality to consolidate his position and was the unquestioned dictator of that time from 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. Incredibly suspicious and jealous, Herod even executed members of his immediate family, including his wife and his favorite son and heir as well as all the male babies in Bethlehem, according to Matthew's Gospel. In spite of Herod's cruelty and lust, he promoted an elaborate building program throughout Judea, including the temple even at Jerusalem, which impressed Jesus' disciples on their visit to the capital. In his old age, Herod turned into a maniac, his peculiarities probably accentuated by an unnamed disease that caused him an agonizing death. Some of you are like, I'm pretty sure he's in my wife's family and coming to visit. <laughs> Not a good guy, right? Not the kind of guy you want to have over for Christmas. Not the kind of guy who's going to lead well. His culture, his leading style, there, there's no question here. Uh, even his son, his heir, who killed John the Baptist and taunted Jesus. There's a lineage here of corruption and brokenness. Deception and hypocrisy, they're at an all-time high during this leadership season of this Herod and his lineage. We see it kind of portrayed a little bit here in the story of the Magi as Herod and his hypocrisy and his double talk. Uh, maybe as he calls these uh, wise men in, as he hears that they're in town, and he brings them in to ask them tongue-in-cheek, really, hey, when you find this king, uh, come back and let me know about it so that I too may go and worship him. And when he finds out that these wise men didn't do that, 
he's not too happy. We didn't read it this morning, but verse 16, it says this, Herod was furious when he realized that these wise men had outwitted him. So he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on these wise men's report to the star's first appearance. He's a little unsure of himself, right? He's a little nervous about what could happen in this context. The culture during his reign was uh, quite unique for that time. Deception, hypocrisy, greed, and hatred. These aren't hidden from the people that he was reigning over in this culture. The way he did business was known among this group of people. We can read historical context that this is uh, just par for the course. This was just how he was going to lead. What's beautiful about the reality of this culture, this reality of the time and context, is that Jesus, the king of all people everywhere, God in his infinite knowledge, chose to send this gift of love to a time and a place like this, to a moment in history where this corruption and brokenness and hypocrisy and greed was revealed and known. In this culture, Jesus' love came to transform even brokenness like this. Jesus' love transformed his culture. Jesus' love should transform ours continually as well. All of us would agree together that our world is broken. We don't need to look very far around us to agree together that not much is right in our culture today. Sadly, when we have those conversations together around the Christmas table or conversations in the hallways, conversations in the parking lot, We talk about how broken things are. Oftentimes, myself included, our initial response is just to shrug our shoulders, throw our hands up, agree that things are broken around us, and we go back to business as usual. Can I remind us together that the love of Jesus, the gift of the presence of God in flesh, This world-changing, everything-changing love did not come to this world to simply shrug his shoulders, take the temperature of the culture around him and say, yep, stupid people. Rather, he came to change. He came to establish his ministry to the church and he expects us, as we've sang about, as we've talked about, as we've prayed about, we've said these words, to be his hands and feet. To continue to share this world-changing, culture-changing love until he returns again. Again, we've tried in our own best uh, attempts. And and we've sometimes uh, invented for ourselves an opportunity. When we think that uh, the the love of Jesus is supposed to be world-changing, culture-changing, what we've sometimes done, because we're human beings, is we've just created our own culture and world. Right? We, we've built walls around us and we've thought, okay, that's the way that the love of Jesus is supposed to change the world, is we're supposed to create our own. And then sometimes in the worlds that we've created for ourselves, the confines, the domes that we've built around ourselves, we, we, we sometimes think in terms of having our world have a, a, a waged war on the other world the world around us, and we've invented for ourselves these culture wars. Jesus didn't come to have a culture war. He came to love through the culture. Change it from the inside to love because love conquers everything. The true love of God. I received an illustration just yesterday morning that 
maybe somewhat illustrates the ways in which we get this wrong as the church of Christ. In our attempts to create for ourselves these safe places maybe for ourselves, these comfortable places for ourselves, we've forgotten our responsibility as God's people. Listen to this. A man, a man goes to church and he forgot to switch off his phone. Has it ever happened to you? I had someone after first service say, you know what's worse than that is being the pastor in the pulpit who forgot to turn off his phone. It happened to him. A man went to church, forgot to switch off his phone, and it rang during church accidentally during prayer. The pastor, after service, immediately scolded him. The worshipers around him, after prayers, scolded him for interrupting their silence. His wife, all the way home, kept lecturing, lecturing him on his carelessness. You could see the shame, embarrassment, and humiliation on his face. After all this, he decided never to step foot in the church again. That same evening, he went to a bar. He was still nervous and trembling from the morning's events. At the bar, he spilled his drink on the bar by accident, and immediately the waiter apologized and gave him a napkin to clean himself up. The janitor of the bar instantly jumped into action and mopped the floor for him, and a female manager even came over and offered him a complimentary drink because of his mistake. She also gave him a huge hug and a kiss on the cheek, saying, Don't worry, who doesn't make mistakes? That man has not stopped going to that bar ever since. The reminder is pretty easy, right? Maybe a little convicting of the ways in which we continue to try to influence culture by simply making ourselves more comfortable. We, we, we try to say the right thing about how we need to love those outside of the church, all the while maybe getting more and more comfortable with the way things are and making sure that we are worshiping with those who look like us, sound like us, sing like us. We've got work to do as the church of Christ to allow the love that has changed us to be a love that isn't good enough just to simply stay here with us. We can admit, the love of Jesus feels good for those of us who have received the love of Jesus. Amen? If you've been changed by the love of Jesus, you have been given an incredible gift. A gift that shouldn't go on clearance the day after Christmas. Shouldn't be lessened by a date on the calendar. Shouldn't disappear. Shouldn't be enough. Should be the leading cause of change in the world. Our culture. Everything. We've got work to do. In our story, love changes, I think, the wise men in the story. It changes those who are seeking after this king. Again, not much is recorded in Scripture about these wise men. They're sometimes referred to as magi, but we don't know how many there were. We don't know how long it took them to travel. We're, we're left with more questions than answers in their story. But we know that their trip would have taken them weeks. We can imagine some of the uh, reminders of Scripture. We can imagine the rest of the story. But these magi, these wise men, are seeking to honor an earthly king with their gifts. 
And their gifts are a response. They're unknown in the historical context. The gifts that would be given to a human dignitary. Their gifts and their entourage are minimized maybe in some of how we converse about their story. But these magis do what all seekers of Christ should do as a form and a pattern of worship. Scripture says they bowed before this king, this child king. I, I think their bowing shows a, a humbleness that should be a, a characteristic of each of us as we seek after Jesus. They, they give these gifts, not just physical gifts, but their, their entire trip is a, a, a giving of themselves to this king. They worship. Matthew's clear to mention that they worship this king in the home. And they respond... They respond to the the message from God through a dream after they have visited the child. They respond with obedience. They do what they've been told to do by God. I, I love that part of their story. Herod didn't like it so much, but we're thankful for that part of their story. Much like each of our previous week's characters as we've uh, discussed them in this series of messages. Each each one of these characters is changed forever by their interaction with Jesus. So too are these wise men. In their meeting of Christ, they are forever changed. I can't help, uh, as a, a person with a brain, I can't help but imagine the rest of the story. Those that these wise men came in contact with, the stories, the uh, family lineage uh, uh, of this story being passed on generation after generation of their interaction with this king born under the star of Bethlehem. And we've heard this tagline, maybe if you're like me, you received numerous cards over the past several weeks that even had this tagline written on the front of the card, wise men still seek him. And we've kind of made it a a formality around Christmas to maybe use that in common language and say, wise men still seek him. And let me just say it again. As one who maybe has a, a cynical sense in much of my experience, it's true. Humanity is pursuing something. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for love. They're looking for identity. Each of us as human beings... It's been said before, very famously, that we all have a God-sized hole inside of us. And the only thing that fills that, we try try and try and try to fill that gap inside of us with all sorts of stuff. And the only thing that will truly fill that is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wise men do still seek Him. Humanity is still seeking. Some people in uh, human life uh, don't know what they're seeking, right? But some would say they would never be searching after God. They've declared boldly that they don't believe. But truly, we as human beings are looking for something. And the love offered through Jesus Christ changes even hardened seekers' hearts. Can God do the impossible? Do you have someone in your life? Do you have someone in your life who will never believe? You've said it in your heart. They'll never get it. And they'll never surrender. They'll never humble themselves. Don't limit God. 
don't believe the lie of the enemy that causes so many of us to write off someone. My God can do it. There's a joke in there about a donkey talking, but I won't tell you that one. The love of God through Jesus Christ changes those who are searching. It also changes you and me. The love of God through Jesus Christ changes us. It changes us personally. It changes us in community. When Jesus was born into this world, people, people around him immediately had reactions. Right? We love the stories of the disciples, the early disciples being called by Christ to follow him and the about faces that they make in their professions, the about faces they make in the eyes of their community, their families. The presence of Jesus in this world did not soothe and comfort all people. Instead, it ruffled feathers. We, we, we sometimes refer to the way Jesus shook things up in the religious world of his day. It's pretty amazing to think about. Those uh, who were the elitists, the church people of Jesus' day, were offended by what Jesus brought to the table. What Jesus did disturbed, it startled, it went against the status quo. In some people, Jesus awakened spiritual longings and desires. In others, conviction and fear, insecurity. Jesus didn't come to conform to the patterns of this world. The Apostle Paul uses that reality as a reminder to us, too, to not conform to the patterns of this world or the patterns of religion, of the normal way that other people have told us this is just the way you're supposed to do it. Jesus came to confront And not conform, not just go along and doing business as normal, not just celebrate on one day a year. The love of Christ changes everything. We celebrate Christmas. We should celebrate Christmas every day, all year. Four days before a new decade, four days, three days, whatever it is. Jesus didn't stay in a manger. We don't celebrate a a baby in a bed of straw usually past this moment because we know Jesus didn't stay in a manger. He grew up, Scripture says, grew up in wisdom and stature, began a ministry, an earthly ministry. He was crucified by those who should have known better. He gave up his life so that we may live. But he didn't stay dead. We serve not a baby in a manger. We serve a risen Savior. One who won over death and despair, destruction, sin. I don't know how you've been changed by the love that came down at Christmas, but I want to play just a couple minutes of a song. It's called Love Came Down at Christmas by Jars of Clay. Listen to the words of this song. i 
spoken. Love be yours, love be mine. Love from God to all of us. I love those lyrics. I love that reminder. As we approach a brand new year, as we approach a brand new decade, some of you are old. (laughs) As we're just days away, much will be said in the coming hours, much has been said about setting goals, resolutions. I don't know what yours are. I don't know if you've written something down on your whiteboard, you've written something down on a piece of paper and you've already thrown it away. I don't know. I don't know what your resolutions are, but I hope, I hope to lead us, Hyde Wesleyan Church, into loving in a way that changes everything. To know the love of Jesus changes me. To know that it changes the hardest of hearts. And to know that it changes the world, the culture around us. And my prayer is that we would be known by our love. Known, that it would be our token. Known, as people talk about us. Do people talk about us? You going to talk about me? I hope you'll talk about the way I love. Not the fact that I'm not wearing a tie. You know who you are. Talk about the way we love. Talk about the way our church loves. You know how we love? Through our generosity. Through our hands extending into the world around us, loving on our community. Through being real, human. Through serving, giving of ourselves, of our resources to the next generation. To those who don't look like us, don't smell like us, don't talk like us, don't sing like us. By humbling ourselves and giving the gift of Christmas each and every day. Will you stand with me? Are you ready to change the world? Let's love. Let's love. And let love continually change us. Let's love and let love do its work through the Holy Spirit. Allow Christ's love to change those who are seeking, even those who don't know what they're seeking after. Let's love and let love in the ways that it will change our culture, change the world around us, change our neighborhood, our towns, our schools, our workplace love like Jesus and let his love mark us. Let's pray. Lord, as we end this time together and as we step out of this place more than likely for the last time this year, I pray that you would remind us that it's your love. It's your love that we've been given. And God, as we experience your love, please help us not to put it on clearance. Convict us, use us, and reuse us.
Thank you. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the gift of hope and love wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Thank you that our hope does not reside in a manger, but that our hope has been risen, risen from death, won over sin, and provides for us a hope that we shouldn't be able to keep to ourselves. Help us every day to love more like you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry days after Christmas, and we'll see you next year. God bless you.